there is a funny story with my dad that he, when I called him to ask him, I never asked him for money, but I did ask him for um, money to help pay for the drums. And he's, I said, batteria. Yeah. And, and so he said, a batteria is like a pots and pans. Batteria de cocina is like pots and pans, but batteria is also a drum kit. And he could not think that I wanted money to buy a, a drum set. Hi, I'm Jordan Syme from the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod. This podcast has been underwritten by the following supporters. William Ravis, the official real estate office of the Arts Foundation. The Cape Cod Foundation, Mass Hire, the Cooperative Bank of Cape Cod, the Melody Tent, and the John K. and Thurza F. Davenport Foundation. This is one of the most fascinating people I've ever met on Cape Cod. Paloma McLarty, known as Palmolive in the punk scene of the 70s. She was a drummer and songwriter in the first girl punk band, The Slits, and then played with the Raincoats. We talked about growing up in Spain under a Franco dictatorship, family and togetherness, her defiance to living a prescribed life. How just two and a half years in London playing punk music helped define a time that continues to live on in myths, movies, and fashion. Her passion to explore life and being perfectly content with the unknown is contagious. And we wrap it up with her current project, working with Afghan refugees. I hope you enjoy this fascinating journey we get to take with the one and only Paloma McLarty. We're going to jump into it. Good. So, Paloma, it's so nice to have you here at the Cultural Center. Welcome. Thank you. And it's a thrill to know that you reside here on Cape Cod. Yeah, I've been here since 89. And wow. thank you for having me. This uh. is this is so nice. It's it's so exciting for me to talk to you. I'm going to try not to fangirl you. <laughs> it's, I'm not bad. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, so you just have had such an interesting life and you continue to do things that are really make impact and touch people's lives in so many different ways. But I really want to start with your beginnings. I know that you're one of nine. Uh-huh. You're from Spain. Yep. Number so, eight. Number eight. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. So tell me, like, what was that like growing up in Spain during that time of conservatism? And Well, yeah, it was... Uh... It was Franco who was a dictator, so mm-hmm. it was authority. He's an he was, you know, authoritarian mm-hmm. leader that you couldn't think different things. So to me, always was very important that you should have freedom. That a leader should not be there to repress the people. Like the fact that people were beautiful, like. Uh, because I grew in a big family, like hearing each other was always like very energizing and it was fun and we were all different. I think my parents, especially my mom, really created uh, that, made a space that we would listen and fight with each other and disagree, but we were together. There wasn't, and so the world outside our home was like 
And especially like when I became a teenager, I was more aware of that. It was like a shock. Like there you are, like thinking that the world is beautiful and you just want to experience everything. And suddenly, oh, no, this is what you're supposed to do. Oh, no, this is like the role of the woman was very much given to you. Yeah. And I wanted to grow into my own idea of what being a woman was. And I rejected a lot of what was given to me. Mm-hmm. And also I just wanted to have fun. And it just didn't seem fun. <laughs> like to go, you know? Right. And so were there, like what fueled that sense of I need more freedom? Was it, was there like a creative spark in your family? Um, did you have musicians, artists within the nine? Or your parents? No, music was, we really didn't have a lot of musical abilities. And so for me to end up in a punk rock group playing a musical <laughs> instrument was like, there's a funny story with my dad that he, when I called him to ask him, I never asked him for money, but I did ask him for um, money to help pay for the drums. And he's, I said, bateria. Yeah. And, and so he said, a bateria is like a pots and pants. Bateria de cocina is like pots and pans, but bateria is also a drum kit. <laughs> and he could not think that I wanted money to buy a, a drum set. And so we I always have a laugh about that. So no music, but I think it was more like a visceral, like yeah. just like something uh, we we were gonna live our lives. Um yeah. And it was not stopping us. I mean, all of us are very different and yeah. have done great things, you know, mm-hmm. in our own different way. So you turned 17 and you're like, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. What made, like, what made, gave you the confidence to, I'm going to go to London and be, and like squat? <laughs> it was. Is uh, that what you called it? it yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Half, half of it was like. <laughs> desperation I need to breathe somewhere else this is not gonna work for me yeah and a sense of just adventure too yeah but it was also like I can't you know it was also I did not want to stay there and just follow the prescribed way you know it was very not attractive right right (laughs) and then so then you Go to, you're 17, you arrive in London. Mm-hmm. The punk rock scene is hot. What was no, it like? No, no, When I got to, no. Okay, Wait. tell me. Yeah. So when I got to London, uh-huh. uh, I, f- I went briefly, came back to Spain, went to university, go back to, um, to London. And so when I first arrived, it was like the hippie, uh, all the hippie, like uh, Counterculture. There was a squat. We were able to live there. The government paid us money every week, so we had money to create. And and that was like, just I just felt like a fish in the water. You know, I just felt like. So people will say, "Oh, well, they will be lazy and do nothing." No, we created tons of things. There was a, the music group, the One of Oneers, that yeah. Joe Strummer was part of, and Richard Dudansky, my. He's now my brother-in-law. There was a tea room. There was a cooperative for organic food, which, I mean, I'm talking more than 40 years ago. Wow. 
So it was there was a, there was a meanwhile gardens initiative to create a like a, a derelict place into a beautiful place for with gardens yeah. and for children to play, you know, to a skateboard. So all that came out of that counterculture hippie, uh, you know, environment. But it had so low, like everything, it had lots yeah. of really amazing things. And at first it's a lot, you know, you're in the honeymoon <laughs> stage. <laughs> then afterwards, you know, like you're in a school with some people, they don't want to help, they don't want to <laughs> clean anything. And you're like, what the heck? Yeah. <laughs> so after a little while, it got like it was getting tiring. Old. Yeah, yeah, old, some of the stuff. And, um, and then was when the punk started. Okay. And it almost was, we were ready to leave that behind and jump into something. I didn't know what it was. Okay. I had gone to Scotland just to have a break and to like think what I wanted to do with my life. And I thought I wanted to be a mime. That's, that's <laughs> what I came, that was my idea. I think okay, I want to. Okay, hold on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Can we dig a little deeper into that? Because I've never met anyone who's. <laughs> so. What attracted you to that? I, like, why? I I just thought it would be so fun. Like, I I saw a mime somewhere. I can't even remember that. But I just remember thinking, like, to put the face, the you know, the theatrical part of it, like, to express, you know, different feelings in front of an audience in the street. Nothing. Yeah. Like, it was going to be a street group. Yeah. And... I was just like, I did a little juggling. I started practicing in case that was needed. You know? <laughs> so I was so, in my head, it was all happening. Yeah. So that I thought about it in Scotland, like come back to London and then the whole pan had started, but I'm, I'm going to be in mine, you know, like I was going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like the idea of, you know, the street, like, um, it's just a romantic idea of a street performer yeah. or something like that and yeah. go from place to place. And it was very much part of our culture, you know. Yeah. So you get, you come back, you're like, I'm going to be a mime. And then what happens? Well, I joined this group that my friend Big John was part of and he was super nice. But the guy that was leading it was a Belgian guy that was like a mini Franco. And he said, no, we don't need a mime. Uh, we need uh, someone to play the drums and do roles while his girlfriend was doing gymnastics. And I thought, well, I can start there. You know, I'll do whatever. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I went along with it for two yeah. or three days. So I started doing roles. I never tried to play the drums. So I started kind of like it. Yeah. Like the minute you get the sticks, you get these like, just like a good sensation. And um, yeah. I always love dancing. Mm -hmm. That's what I love doing. Like, you know, when we went to the one-on-one-ers gigs. So rhythm was like kind of like intriguing to me and I could connect to rhythm better than melody. Mm -hmm. And and so after three days, I just had a fight with him and I just left. <laughs> so that was the end <laughs> of my miming career. <laughs> and then I got distracted. Like I just went along with the new interest. So it was a very yeah. fleeting moment, but very like... Life-changing. Yeah, because I would have probably never been, never even thought of being part of a group if he hadn't been for that. Right. So the drumming was like this new passion. You were 
like, this is my thing. I'm going to dig deeper. Well, maybe that's a little bit more than what it was. It was just something <laughs> that I really liked. But yeah. at the same time, because of the punk and because of my relationship with Joe Strama, and right. he was determined he was going to go that way, he dumped the 101ers like mercilessly. <laughs> And he was going to be part of the clash. He tried to take Richard with him, but Richard, when he met Bernie, he said, no way, I'm not dealing with this. Yeah. So, so. Okay. What was it like dating Joe Strummer? (laughs) He was really fun and like very like in the moment, like Mm. able to enjoy like what was happening and very, I don't know, he just really had a way with people. Yeah. He was a complicated person, too. Like, he had a lot of things, you know, from growing up with his family and that. His dad was a diplomat. Okay. He was a very charismatic person. Yeah. But he was, he had this thing, his focus was his goal. Okay. And so he had this thing with people, but then in the next minute, you know, people didn't matter. (laughs) So that kind of (laughs) dynamic there. But really, like, I mean, deep inside, I think he was a caring man and he will recapacitate, you know, think about things. And and he thought a lot. We had tons of conversations. He was so fascinated about, like, what had happened politically in Spain. So we had a lot of conversation about the you know, the war, mm-hmm. I mean, and the, but my understanding of our history was more from the songs that I had been like, you know, feeding on like the, yeah. this, there was a whole group of musicians that used poems from the generation El, del 27. It was okay. a group of Alberti, you know, Juan Manuel Serrat, I mean, Juan Manuel Machado. So Juan Manuel Serrat was one of the singers, and he would take Machado's poetry and make it into a song. So we we were familiar with all that poetry that was so like revolutionary and like like um, fighting injustice. Mm-hmm. Many of them, like um, Miguel Hernandez, die in the jail, you know, and so they would sing poems about that. Mm-hmm. So he was, Joe Strama was fascinated with all that um, history and all that. Yeah. And I was so very politicized when I got into London, but yeah. he was very, he, they had been into like the whole uh, Hare Krishna and like the whole, oh, yeah, right. meditation. Yep. Okay. So bring it back to you now. Okay. So you're there, you're getting into this scene, what is it like being a female and like the punk rock? Like you saw it grow. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you went from, it was like hippie squatville to like punk rock, Sid Vicious, Johnny Rotten, Joe Strummer. I mean, like how did um, Paloma fit in there? Like, were you so fed by the, the, like everybody you know, the politics and the culture and then, like, what what was going on? So the way Paloma reacts, <laughs> and I have seen her go through different stages, is yeah. something is really not working. There okay. has to be more to life uh-huh. than what I have experienced. doesn't mean I reject everything from the past. Like, yeah. there was things that I just said, okay, 
I still like that, but mm-hmm. they can go to sleep for a little bit. I want to explore something different. So there was always that thing with me. So when I got involved in it, so I was still friends with, you know, we were together w- with Joe. And then, so to me, what attracted me, so again, it was the mixture of wanting to leave something behind and wanted to move on to some unknown territory basically that's the creative part like well I don't know what's gonna happen but I think I like it (laughs) (laughs) I love that yeah so so there was the thing that anybody could be part of a group why have this hierarchy and again that's the hierarchy that's my thing with democracy like being freedom to be able to have your own voice doesn't matter if someone disagrees there's still a person right you know what I mean? Like we have become a thing in this country now. We're so divided. Mm-hmm. And when people are divided, the people that win are the ones on the top. We should listen. Okay, so I don't agree with you, but that was the whole time in my family growing up. You just didn't agree. That was understood that you weren't going to agree. Right. And I think that was always like a thing. So to me, I could say, well, I agree. What did I like? I like that we could dress up with crazy clothes and we would make them up ourselves, like totally design our own clothes. That was a blast. We could write our own songs about things that mattered to us. Yeah. And if we wanted, and the other thing that attracted me, I was taught to be nice. Yeah. I like to please people. I like to be kind. And yet that other thing is that one part of me say, well, no, I like to be able to express that I'm mad at you and I don't like you and I don't like what's happening. And that was like kind of liberating. like. Mm. And so I like that part. What else? And did you, that was like, that fed you through the music, through like, mm-hmm. so um, tell me a little bit about, you know, your inspiration for writing. Because I know you wrote quite a few songs yes. for the Slits. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so at first was just this, uh, like, I'm writing a song. I was like, wow, this is so great. The inspiration, like, yeah. number one enemy is this anger to the yeah. society. Margaret Thatcher, the milk snatcher. <laughs> the milk snatcher. That's what they call it. She took the milk out of the schools. <laughs> so, uh, so it was just that against... The system. Yeah. So I'm going to be your number. So that was one new term, you know, people that don't think and they're just going through the motions where everybody goes around sniffing cocaina mm. or taking televisina. So you're just watching television. And so I made the words up. Yeah. Um, very rudimentary, you know, like yeah. very like. <laughs> but it worked in punk. It worked. Totally. Yeah. It worked. And so, so it was this, I just remember seeing people coming out of the tube and they like just look washed out after the day in the office in the city. So that was in it. And then, so new town, shoplifting. Yeah. We used to do shoplifting. To, <laughs> we used to say to fight inflation. To <laughs> There's always a reason. Oh, yeah. Because that's what, that was punk rock. That yes. was punk, right? Yes. To be angry and... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I like to have art. Mm-hmm. I think art, we need art. Mm-hmm. Part of the human experience is art. Like a beautiful painting. Like you, we can, we need like to go back to what makes us human. Like we need to be able to accept people for what they are. 
and to be able to have conversations. Like I think a lot of the times is a lot of that thing is being lost. Like I go back to the kitchen conversations I had with my brothers and sisters. When is that happening? Like we need neighborhoods that people can play together. A culture. Yes. Right? Like can yeah. regain like games. Culture. Like can we do games? Yeah. Can we do more games? Yeah. Storytelling. Yes. <laughs> you know, learning about, you know, you, you know, um, learning about and what our parents about are. You, you know, like yeah. we can help each other Absolutely. instead of this, like, who can I take advantage of? Right. For myself. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm with you. So I want to come back to the punk rock scene again, just for a couple more minutes. Okay. And then I, w- and then I want to talk about how, what you have done, you know, in your past is informing what you what work because I know you're working on some important things now, um, so I want to talk about that. So um, you once said in an interview that punk rock was superficial. Do you remember saying that? Oh, this I I don't remember saying that. <laughs> I talk too much <laughs> to remember everything I, love I it. say. <laughs> I love it. So, do you know why you might have said that, or like, can you? Oh, because because it was because there was some things that were thought through and. But other things, let's not think about life. No, let's not think about it. At least for me, you know, I can't yeah. speak for everybody. But to me, it's, yeah, some of the things were, so what is superficial? Like when you just say, oh, I'll just do that for fun. And I don't really care about the, I'm not going to look at the consequences or anything like that. In that sense. Or like phony, you uh, know. Oh, phony galore. Was yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There was a lot of it. And like. Say, for instance, <laughs> tell like, us. Okay, I'll tell you. I, tell us all. <laughs> my opinion. My yeah. opinion. Okay, so we, you know, from the initial movement, let's dress however we want and we're yeah. free. And I was all for being free, right? But then you couldn't, if you had liked some music that was considered old fart, so if you didn't dress like so and so, you know, there was. Starting to get this, like, um, and I think groups tend to get like that, you know, political groups, any social interaction Mm -hmm. where you have, like, some people say counts more (laughs) than other people, and this is what is cool to wear, and this is not cool. And I just happened to be in the cool. (laughs) We were cool because we didn't care. Basically, we just like broke those some of those molds because yeah. actually the slits dress different. But if you look at like the Mohawk, a lot of people just look like Sid Vicious. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, you know, what is, I mean, we did them. Yeah. Like Ari dressed totally different to me, Vivian, you know. And so yeah. we, we influence, one thing is to influence each other, but the other thing is like to be a copycat. So that, in that sense, is. Interesting. Yeah, in that sense, it can be superficial. Right, right. But it can be in any group. Like, we're not exempt from that. <laughs> right. And it did get very, like, the culture of punk did become its own thing. Mm-hmm. You were either punk or you were not punk. Mm-hmm. And it was clear by the way you dressed, mm-hmm. what you listened to, who yep. you hung out with. Yeah. So you mentioned Sid Vicious. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fascinated with your connection with him. Can you tell me how you know him? 
well, that was his drama only of this group that never happened. <laughs> it was going to be called the Flower Show of Romance. He was heavily into heroin. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even really know. I like just... <laughs> I didn't really know, but um, yeah, he was. And uh, we were going to do this group. He was going to be like the lead. I think he was trying to do I Did It My Way, the right. Frank Sinatra. And uh, we were going to play. I mean, I did not know how to play the drum. <laughs> I had done the role, and that was about it. <laughs> right. So, but he didn't know how to sing. So we were all on the same boat. Right. And Vivian was part of it. Vivian mm-hmm. was going to be the guitarist, and Sarah was going to be the bass player. But, yeah, I mean, he... He made some advances to me, and yeah. I didn't really like him. Yeah. I didn't find him sexy. Uh-uh. No, I mean, but he was such an icon, and he was so fed that he was, like, this cool guy without having to do anything. Like right, nothing. he had no talent. He just yeah. had to be, like, do the push, and so I didn't think much of it. Like, yeah. he left, you know, like, I got no, no, it's yeah. not happening. So he leaves the house. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so can I, I just Next have, thing is that like yeah. he says you're not in the group like yeah. I find out no he didn't even tell me the coward what <laughs> jerk yeah he didn't but anyway he was a messed <laughs> up kid and when I think about him like and you see him as you know I can see him different now but he yeah he was a jerk for sure how do you see him different now um because I see how people are so conditioned by the way they grow up mm. that to me it's just a human being. Humans are wonderful. They can be like jerks and turn into more of a jerk and you don't want to allow them to be a jerk to you or to people that you love. But but I don't have that. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. You kind of look back. How how do you look back at that time of your life? Like, how do you how do you kind of summarize? Like, when you tell your grandchildren, like I was first punk rock <laughs> band. Like, well, I'm writing amazing. a book. <gasps> nice. Okay. Yes, I'm trying. Well, actually, yeah. I'm writing. I wrote a book and I got somewhere and then I stopped with the pandemic, actually, which you would have thought I will have more time. But for some reason, I don't know, it just shifted. Yeah. And I need to get back to it. Yeah. But so how do I tell? So that's my hope. I'm writing my book to whoever wants to hear the story, how I process things and the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know, like there was yeah. a, a lot of things. But like I tried to be positive about the things that were good in it. Right. And that helped me in my life. That I'm still experiencing. Like that thing of like not being afraid to be different. Yeah. I, I don't really care. Like if I don't fit, it's okay. Right. Because we have practice and we know that to do something new, you need to not fit sometimes. Right. And you mentioned earlier the kind of the unknown really attracted you. That is, yeah. that's a really cool quality. <laughs> I'm, I admire that because it's so scary sometimes to move forward with the unknown. But it's exciting to like but think about exciting. this girl, 17. Yeah. Lansing, London. They gave me a play for 
cereal. I didn't never had a cereal with a jar with milk and a box with something inside. <laughs> I didn't know how to mix the three things. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. We have um, baguettes in the morning with coffee. That's what right. we had for breakfast. And so that was... But at the same time, it is scary, but I don't know. There was something about like hearing a different language and yeah. the freedom, London representing freedom. So that is like, okay, I don't like this. Yeah. You know, we tend to like, but just being, I don't know. I just, I'm like very, and there was that teenage wrestle. Right. I was, Fearless. Yeah. 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 I could see that. <laughs> you eventually, like, how do you exit? Because there is a major, I mean, a major heroin issue within the, the culture. Things are starting to fall apart. Am I describing it? Yeah, in correctly? different ways. In different ways. And then, so what makes you decide, like, okay, what I'm getting at is you're in London, you're a punk rock drummer, mm-hmm. <laughs> part of this really incredible scene. And now you're on Cape Cod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what happened? Like, what fill, fill us happened. in. Yeah. <laughs> well, for one thing, Dave McClarty happened. <laughs> yeah. Like, who is he? Tell us about He's him. my wonderful husband. His parents were here oh. in the Cape. He had been, he was a doctor, a okay. research doctor, like really brilliant. He had been invited to... Um, Boston to do research and then he they vacationed in the Cape and then they moved to the Cape they okay. retired to the Cape so we came to actually help the help the mom and we wanted to bring her to Spain she had Alzheimer's okay so that's how we landed here so but in between what happened so when the punk was I'm done with this I'm moving on to this Another unknown. I don't know what yeah. the heck. I was just going to go back to Spain and rethink my life. Okay. And and then I knew Dave. We always danced together because when the one one ers were happening, I was with Joe, but Joe was in the band. So we, my sister and I danced with him. He was a great dancer and just a very kind man, a thoughtful man and just caring. Yeah. So it was refreshing to me. To meet someone that was caring. And suddenly that was a value that I actually liked. <laughs> <laughs> Forget the jerks. <laughs> right. Yeah. Bye, Sid Vicious. Yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> so so then we had a friendship and then there was, he was, he's super quiet. Like he's a very, like if you're going in group, you know, he will be quiet. Okay. I mean, but he, he's friendly. He's So I was surprised of how many things that we like long the same and so anyway we decided to be together and I wanted to check out this guruing you know so I was just trying to actually explore a narrative something that what am I here for like what is the purpose of life yeah. I don't like the normal now I yeah. don't like the punk I don't like the hippie so it right. see my life just okay I'm, that's all that's all there's something more but as you go along too it's not like you just live everything you learn from different facets of your life. So I think is I think growing as a human yeah. takes some of that, you know. And I guess I'm very like um in some way 
can detach myself of something that I think is being toxic to me. Okay, yeah. In some way, in the you know, when you like balance things, I yeah. don't think it's worth it. I think we all do it. Really. We hopefully, right? Like yeah, there's, hopefully, yeah, yeah. Like recognizing. Yeah. That, would you say that it's like a spiritual connection in yeah. some ways, where you're like recognizing something's telling you like this is toxic or it's not. Yeah, or, or I'm this really is good. glad that you bring that up because I think it's like going back to the superficiality. How yeah. is that affecting me inside? Like to be connected with your feelings, with your thoughts. Yeah. Why you do what you do is so important. And it is spiritual. Mm-hmm. And and so around that time, we became actually like involved. First, we were looking into different Eastern religions. And then we became Christians, like Bible-believing Christians. And at first, it was like really freeing. And then we had an experience of really like a very legalistic, group and mm-hmm. now there's people in that group like they're beautiful people yeah but it was like a dress that became tight okay and I couldn't wear it anymore no and you know and you know mm-hmm. when that and there was some things when something is said and it just bags you because that's not true so my thing was to be true to myself my whole life and to be the purpose of religion I mean Jesus himself said I am the truth Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. I think it's important that you and and the truth is not something like weird like you you know when something is true it's pretty simple yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) right you know when something is not and so is that mean like in everything else in my life that nothing in it was good? Of course not. There was wonderful times. Mm-hmm. These people that I know that are friends that I value them as people. And I know them beyond the left or right. Mm-hmm. I know beyond that. And that's one thing that I feel like I can see people in the left and the right, you know, like no matter what my opinions are, I can see them as people. And it makes me sad that we are so divided, uh, I actually yeah. think. It's, yeah. it's going to be bad for all of us if we don't learn to communicate. That's right. And for our next generation. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's frightening. Yeah. Okay, let's go back to your wonderful husband. <laughs> Did you finish telling us about how? Okay. Okay, so you were looking at, you were connecting with spirituality, uh-huh. um, a higher being at the time. Yeah. And then, like, what did you guys do? So we got together and uh-huh. <laughs> we had babies. How many? <laughs> so we had three children. Okay. Yeah. And I actually, we have 12 grandchildren. Wow. Tell me about the one grandchild that we have in common. The one that we have in common? <laughs> <laughs> the one I know of. <laughs> Tiana Esperanza. She is actually our first grandchild. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's pretty remarkable. Uh, She's very remarkable. She does amazing music. She's so talented, like musically. And she's just very determined and beautiful. And, you know, like, yeah, she, she's pretty. Like, she's, and she's uh, grounded. She's very grounded. Yeah. When she goes on a stage, she knows how to. Because I think like many musicians not, don't know how to on the stage, you know, and how to communicate is part of, it's a huge part. I mean, for us, it was like 90% of 
up what it was. Yeah. <laughs> the music could be in person. <laughs> so funny. So, no, she's uh, doing amazing songs. She has been doing it since she was very young. Mm -hmm. Like, really, like, um, she worked with um, Frank and, and Larry Chapman here. Right. Like, yeah. In the Cape, and they work great together, and... Yeah, she's just been at it for a long time, and so she's about to get a deal. Really take so off. I'll yeah. let her. We'll have her that. in. We'll have yeah, her in. Yeah, you'll have to. I have one last question about music for you. What do you think of the Like, what do you listen to today? Mm, I actually listen to just very different. I listen to a lot of the old songs that I loved. Yeah. The Spanish songs. Okay. I still okay. play them, and... No, the words by heart. Yeah. Like, mm, you know, Serrat, um, <laughs> you know, Paco yeah. Ibanez, and they like, they were amazing. So, and I listened to reggae and I listened to what else? I read something that punk rock and reggae have a strong connection. And I, I bet some people listening will be like, if that's true, like, duh. Is that true? Like, yeah, for, for yeah. sure. It was almost like, okay, when punk exploded, yeah. they, they were our neighbors. Like, right. there was a lot of people Jamaicans from Jamaica in in our neighborhoods. And we didn't have any punk records because we were making the music. And, and you couldn't really smoke a, a, a joint to punk rock. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the reggae was a lot more soothing. <laughs> right. And, they were, and we just didn't have punk music really we were making the whole thing up you were the punk yeah we were the punk and we hadn't made the record yet so so basically like the djs a lot of them played reggae that's incredible yeah it was really like it fitted really nice it's some it was very like a very different totally yeah. totally culturally different but there was a an attraction there yeah so interesting when i read that i was like Wow. I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's because of the neighbors. You were neighbors. Yes. You shared yeah. space yeah. and common ground. Yeah. And it was, I would assume or, or, or state that, you know, there was this community of kind of like outliers, right? Mm -hmm. And so you had the punks yeah. and then you we had, had the Jamaican. Common. Yeah, you had it in common. Like White Riot. There's on White Riot. I want a riot, a riot of my own. You know, like yeah. you said, there, there were the blacks having the... Yeah. Uh, their own thing and we just yeah there was a lot of connections so interesting okay so now I'm going to shift to um I'm really curious about what you do today here on the Cape and how all of your experiences have you know how you have taken all your experiences and put them into like what you're doing today because you're up to some pretty cool stuff so why don't you tell me about it well, right now I'm really, yes, I'm loving it. And I'm involved mm -hmm. in working with Afghan refugees. We were um, creating an apartment in our home. Mm -hmm. And then this, um, we met with, the, we got through a connection. There were, uh, it's a group we connected to Catholic Charities. Okay. And they are, they had some Afghans they were going to bring so we connected with them and say, hey, we want to be part of this. So, yeah. so I, talk, I talked to them and we were assigned these four guys. They were 
fighting Taliban, one of them has shots in his arm that his arm is, you know, uh, at least it's okay. okay. Like we took him to the doctor. So, so they came and they've been, they came right before Thanksgiving. We had the best Thanksgiving ever. Oh, I bet. We sat with all of them and there was another family in Sandwich. So there's the family in Sandwich, there's uh, two guys in Centerville, there's another guy with my daughter, Macarena. Okay. And we have these four guys. So they they were fighting Taliban because of that, all those scenes that you saw in yeah. the uh, TV with the, you know, in the airport, like people trying to. So their families are there still. Mm. So they are trying to find work to send money home. And this is where, like, if you can spread the word, uh-huh. these guys need jobs. Okay. They need, uh, so we set up a cooperative called We Do mm-hmm. on Facebook, and we're going to do a webpage. And we'll share that with this. Yeah, yeah, that would be wonderful because they, so we've been trying to get work, but you know how the KPs in the winter is hard. Mm-hmm. And just to help them be successful, but then it's like the situation in the KP is so hard to find a place to, you know, to be able to, create a home is a challenge but I do but they really want to work and so they say they call me auntie auntie (laughs) we can work and we're ready we're ready (laughs) and they can and they can they have the papers great okay yeah they have the papers so to we see on the floor and we eat with them, they sit on the floor. They don't have tables. Yeah. So, well, they prefer it. And actually, it's such a cool thing. This, like, when you sit on the floor and you put a tablecloth on the carpet and you're sitting all to get close to each other. Yeah. And they make this amazing birani and this, you know, I mean, we're eating really nice food sometimes. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just grateful to be here. But what I, what I feel is like, we have a responsibility. Like there we are, like doing all these crazy things and it's a huge problem. Well, what can we do to help? Right. I want to be part of the solution. Yeah. And maybe it's not huge, but, you know, to me it's like fighting racism. Yeah. Fighting this, I hate war, like I'm against that. So to be able to say to these guys that they were like fighting Taliban, like this is a different way of life. Mm-hmm. We can live in peace with each other, you know. And mm-hmm. so anyway, like there's a group of people. We take them to the doctors. We They need to get food. Um, it's just, and we're hoping to get more. Okay. That's incredible. Do they know that you're kind of a legend in the punk rock scene? One of them found out, so now I, I, they all, two of them be, befriend me on Facebook, and I'm like, oh, my God, I don't even know what they're saying. <laughs> I communicate with an app. <laughs> I get an app at Google Translate. Oh, that's funny. That, that's... They don't know any, hardly, well, they, they know. They're learning a lot. Yes. And they, uh, but sure. it's very minimal. It's not like you can yeah. have a conversation, conversation with them. Right. But a lot of the time, I mean, we we just, hey, what are you doing? You need to do this. So it's like yeah. all this, like, so basically it's establishing them to be able to sustain themselves. Okay. That's, that's the idea. But they are wonderful. They are like, they send me emojis with like nail polish. <laughs> Auntie, we love you. <laughs> I say, I love you too. <laughs> How fulfilling. Yeah, it is. 
That is, I, that's it, incredible that you're doing that. And again, it's like the unknown, right? Like you totally the unknown. And for these, you know, four gentlemen, yeah, it's got to be tough for them. I mean, they left everything. Like they come and they say, you know, today my uncle got shot, Taliban, yeah. and mm. they make the sign of cutting their throat. Yeah, and... it's like. Again, and then another one. And it's like from time to time. So it, it's been so nice to have it, you here and to talk about your life. It's just been so interesting. And I can see, you know, it's just inspiring to think about the unknown and that you just never know, like, what's around the corner if you don't push forward. And it's exciting to see your granddaughter. I'm sure she's inspired by you as well. Um, so thank you for, for being here. You're an inspiration and I can't wait to hear about your book and about your other projects Uh that are coming out, um, that you're working on. I don't know if you can talk about that. Uh, which one? (laughs) (laughs) Didn't you say film or documentary or show, TV show? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's the the monument. No, I don't mind. Oh, okay. Um, So Monumental is working on a series about the slits okay a few episodes or something that's gonna be amazing and then the spanish tv wanna i mean this is the amazing thing i was two and a half years involved in this thing and then 40 something years people are like they want to talk about this i know you know i find that really interesting too when i was doing some research on you um you know, there was there were all these movies on, you know, Sid and Nancy and the punk rock scene, but like women were not celebrated whatsoever in that scene, the music scene. And um, some of the footage that I've seen has was incredibly entertaining and the music <laughs> was actually not that bad. You, it was pretty hear, good. Did you hear the John Peel sessions? Those are my favorite. Oh, uh, okay. I'm... 77 and 78. Okay. Slits, John Peel Sessions. Okay. And the Rankos also did. They they weren't that bad. Really? I mean, they were Good. saying, everybody said we were terrible, and we kind of were in some ways, but but that was totally new. Yeah, and that totally sound wasn't new. bad. That yeah. Bad, it was not bad. I mean, I was surprised myself. Yeah, when I went back and listened to, and saw the videos, I was like, this is incredible. Like, what a time... When I was in high school, we would go to the Middle East, um, the bar oh, in Cambridge. The Rankers play there. I went to see them there. You're kidding. Like l- lately, you know. Yeah, like and like TT's. Remember TT and the Bears, no. Middle East? So I would go as mm-hmm, a mm-hmm. high schooler okay. on a Sunday afternoon and, and go see, I, you know, like the Circle Jerks. The <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I saw the Buzzcocks, but... I, I don't think I like they were the there, Baskets. but I know I that like you traveled them. around with them. Um, but we saw some pretty incredible bands there. Half the time I was afraid that I was going to get my back broken because it was like the slam dancing and the... Oh my but it was an afternoon of literally letting go of all the anxiety and stress of the world. And we would just like... Go crazy. Go crazy. People. And we were playing that way. Like that's yeah. how we played. It was like fun. It, like it was you give it everything you had. Everything. Like you weren't like at least I think you like posting or anything. You just went for it. 
Creative Exchange Podcast is a collaboration between the Arts Foundation of Cape Cod and the Cultural Center of Cape Cod in South Yarmouth. Hosted by Arts Foundation's Executive Director, Julie Wake, and produced and edited by Julian Loida at the Cultural Center, the series is an ode to the artistic process and its unique manifestation on Cape Cod and beyond. Thanks for listening.